to Mind Crime Liberty Show with me, Swin Dobson, and him, Tim Patton. Today we're joined by Natty to discuss what is a woman? Now you might think, well, why am I asking such a sort of what seemingly an obviously straightforward question? But with the rise of sort of um, the um, transgender and transsexual uh, movements and, and also which is sort of like an extension to some extent of feminism, feminism of sorts. Um, what a woman is and what women are like in generality, what one is and how they function, etc., um, is something which is to a large extent a uh, verboten topic because obviously everyone is an individual and they all act differently. Um, unless, of course, you're a conservative political group and then, of course, you will act the same and you're all evil. Um, but um, so... so I thought this might be an interesting um, discussion to have, and Natty seemed the obvious uh, choice to, to come here. So, to begin, um, I'll just uh, that when it comes to sex, sex um, is binary, which is seemingly the obvious um, conclusion. The, the reason is if you look at biology, the way in which you work out whether um, groups or, or animals are sexual, asexual, or, or whatever is is how they reproduce. And um, in animals, um, or in humans, um, the only way that is known to reproduce is between uh, small and large gametes. Um, large gametes are created by uh, females and small gametes are created by males. Um, if there were more ways of uh, reproducing, which apparently there are with fungi, which apparently have thousands of sexes, then there could be more than uh, two sexes. Uh, but it seems clear that there are no known instances of anything other than a large and small gametes that, that could reproduce. And therefore, mm -hmm. on that basis, there are um, only two sexes. Uh, now, what then is the cause of the different sexes? Well, um, you've probably heard of X and Y chromosomes, and that's the typical way. Although what actually activates it is something called the SR. Well, this is from my very layman understanding, is something called the SRY gene, which is normally in the top right-hand side of a Y chromosome, although it can actually appear on a double X chromosome in rare cases. Um, and it's this Y chromosome which then directs the body um, in um, to create a, a male um, gametes and sort of in general morphology, although there are various intersex conditions in which um, that isn't uh, isn't the case. Um, but so so if you get anyone saying, oh, no, no, you know, it's not always X, Y, well, it, it mostly is. Um, but the the main uh, sort of biological aspect is uh, is is the SRY uh, gene. Um, so Natty, have you anything to add or anything on my sort of my, my attempted sort of biology, biological introduction at all? Um, uh, no, not not at the moment. <laughs> OK, that's fine. Uh, so 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 Fassi, so um, a lot of what you might find, there are a few intersex conditions which are kind of weird, um, which you might come across. Uh, so the, one of them, particularly weird ones, is um, total sorry, complete androgen insensitivity syndrome, in which you actually have an SRY gene, but you have androgen, in, complete androgen insensitivity because um, you don't respond to the hormone. And therefore, you create a female um, uh, phenotype, uh, but they're infertile. So effectively, without 
having um, modern tech, well, basically without modern technology, you probably wouldn't know that they are sort of technically male because they're sort of form effectively typically hormonally female and uh, phenotypically female. But they're, it's a very sort of rare um, condition. The only reason you might know you had it is because you have no periods. Um, so this is what the transsexual activists and transgender movement sort of focus on. Uh, so there are a couple of them, but they're it's Dwyer syndrome, which I don't really understand uh, as well. Um, so whether as to how you should act in that case, they're obviously atypical, but I still don't think it gets away from the um, the binary uh, position. So I thought that was just an interesting uh, beginning. So based on sort of like uh, going from biology is uh, uh, how do you would you describe the general female psychology? Uh, in contrast uh, to men. Um, I remember some sort of um, in a dissident right, um, sort of technocrats, um, not necessarily just technocrats, but a lot of some of the some autists saying that women are basically have like a, a childlike psychology to a large extent. Um, and they very much emphasize the um, difference in typical um, male psychology from typical female. Uh, so I was wondering, uh, from your perspective, um, how would you say that female psychology uh, differs um, from uh, from men? Uh, I mean, so just as, as, as a general thing that what normally comes out on self-report studies on psychological things is that women typically have higher extroversion, which means that they like being around people more. Uh, neuroticism, that is, they deal with um, they have they feel negative thoughts more strongly and they tend to be more agreeable. Um, those are the typical things on the big five sort of uh, personality test, uh, which I, I did one before we did this. And I ended up with very low neuroticism and high, um, well, relatively mildly agreeable. Uh, but anyway, so those are sort of some standard sort of um, psychological ones. So would you have anything you would add to that or anything you think is uh, be a particular in, um, difference between male and female psychology in, in general? I was just trying to think, um, what can I add here? Um, I, I would say that, uh, what can I say here? I think you're doing a good job. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I, I was just thinking about how um, men are generally quite comfortable and better suited at being alone and going and being on by themselves and getting a task done taking the initiative on alone, whereas women like to do things uh, in a social way um, with other with other people, not just women, probably other men as well. Um, and um, so I'm not sure how you would describe that trait, but I would just say they're, they're, more, they're more social and um, in how they like to get things done. Um, I, I don't know what would you say that women are more childlike than men? So, um, no, I would not say that men, women are more childlike than men. Uh, and, and that is probably one of the areas in the dissident rights circles that I, I cringe every time I hear that. <laughs> um, because, um, well, I don't, I don't understand exactly how women could be childlike, more childlike than men, when they, you know, they reach puberty faster, um, they are able to reproduce quicker than men. I mean, men can reproduce at quite a young age, but I just mean they're, they're more, they do tend to grow up faster. Um, I suppose when a man 
reaches maybe you know in his early 20s then perhaps he's got to the same level as a woman about that age and then maybe he surpasses her which I think is probably some of the arguments that people in the dissident rights circles would make um but I in my experience and this is just me talking from my experience I I don't believe that that they necessarily always do I I think that um maybe a lot of the guys in dissident rights circles like to pretend that they are uh, the top 10 to 20 percent of men who are particularly competent in in most areas um, and most men are not um, and emotional maturity may be one of those areas I, I don't know what you think about what I'm saying here but oh no I agree and it, it is obvious that girls grow up quicker than boys do uh, and I think I think so I think the distant right would be focusing more on um, maybe over 25 uh, in, in, yes. in many cases um, I, I would say if with the childlikeness, I, I think possibly the argument might might be on neuroticism. If I was going to go on sort of, a, sort of the five um, psychological, big five sort of psychological traits, because children are very neurotic in comparison with adults. Mm. Uh, they they do feel negative thoughts strongly, um, where and women typically do that more. So I, I think that. So I mean, I, I, I suppose as well. I, I think possibly one of the arguments as well might be that um, because, um, well, depend if you like, I think Helmuth Nyborg argues that women on average have slightly lower IQs than men, um, but certainly they they don't have uh, as extreme of a, a distribution. And so the fact that they're sort of on average, well, at the tails, there's far less sort of intellectual types. You might argue that they're more childlike on that basis. Uh, I suppose it could do that. Uh, but it's something I always thought was slightly odd um, uh, arguments. It's something yeah. I really thought was particularly. Um, uh, I think I, so, so picking up on what you're saying, I think it's quite a nuanced, a nuanced point because um, women can be childlike because they're better at looking after young children than men. Um, some some guys in the men's rights world would probably argue with me about that, but um, but I, I would say generally they are better suited to looking after younger children than than men are, um, and so they they do tend to um, be able to empathise with the child's strong emotions, like you pointed out. So I think you're right about the neuroticism part for sure, because the the, the point of a, a young child and the mother being around the young child is that she has to contain the young child. And I guess then the father needs to contain the mother. So um, that's kind of how I see the, the the family unit, how it's generally organised when it's in the natural order of things. Generally, that is um, how it is. Although <clears throat> I do think in with individuals, um, when we're not generalising, there are areas that women need to contain men on. Um, and I'm sure you, you're aware of many people, married married people, for example, that you know who where the wife is probably good at pointing certain things out to her husband and, and able to provide comfort for something he might find difficult, I, I, you know. Um, so um, I think that's where it comes from. And then there's this other, I think this is other meme on the internet that when they say, well, women are children because um, of the way that women manipulate men, um, especially in things like family court and um, when they get romantic rejection or um, if they're having a divorce, you know, when there's high conflict uh, and the woman then does then tend to become more 
well, extremely neurotic and more childlike in that in that way. In a way, I guess she morphs morphs um, morphs into different states a bit a, a bit more easier than men. I think men are more rigid in this way. I don't know if you agree with that. You're making noise. Give me that. Sorry. Um. No, that's fine. Um, so that moves on quite nicely to the, the um, other section, which is um, what's um, what do you think when it comes to female psychology? Um, are the pickup artists right? Uh, essentially, when, when you think it's the female psychology and sort of like uh, for men attracting women, what, what, what would you your what would your position on that be? Yes, they're, they're right. right. They're right on a on a very base level. On on a level where we are trying to all we're trying to regress and not be civilized, then they are correct. And and I guess it is quite easy these days, which is why, well, they're right at the moment. Um, the to to uh, to get women to act in a certain way because of the well because we all have less standards uh, the standards are lower and the expectations in society are are not as high as they used to be because we used to care about morals in a far more um, <clears throat> in a stronger way right so I, I would say that yes but um, with with some caveats do you think it's um it's reasonable to sort of split women broadly speaking into r and k strategists or do you think that that's very much a broad brushstroke thing and women tend to be um fit in um th th there's a lot more sort of scope of difference there than just sort of oh r or k uh, for those who are may or may not know um r is um lot, generally having relatively fewer children and putting a lot of parental investment uh, and case strategy is basically, from the man's perspective, it's just pump and dump. Uh, have as many children as possible, but don't do anything with them. Um, so obviously, um, so go on. See, I thought I had thought a lot about this because I've read the R R versus K book by Anonymous Conservative. Um, uh, I, there was some bits, some, some of the sciencey bits I skimmed, but because I'm a woman, <laughs> I was just joking. And so. Um, I thought a lot about it and I, I I actually kind of undecided exactly what I think in regards to that question because I think most women are K strategists overall um, but clearly we do have a problem with growing you know single motherhood and promiscuous behavior is more accepted um, and also this idea that, <clears throat> sorry, this statistic that um, was it around 30% of children in a marriage or they have a different father. So there's this idea that, you know, that alpha, alpha fucks, sorry to swear, but and beta bucks where they have sex with a, a, an alpha male type, um, more of a chad. And then the, the beta, uh, she marries the beta and pretends that it's the, the baby or she cheats on him, one of the two. Um, I think that has been exaggerated in the dissident right red pill circles online, personally. Um, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm not saying that stat isn't somewhat accurate to the, to the macro, but um, it, it is used. It is used as a kind of, you know, you can't trust women. They are, they're going out there doing this and doing that. And I, I, I think the majority of women um, don't don't use that strategy. So. I, I guess um, 
if I could sort my thoughts out about it, um, I would say that they, 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 they change their strategy quite quickly compared to men. I think I've said this already in this conversation. I think men are just, men tend to decide what they're going to do and how they're going to be. And they tend to just stay that way. I'm not saying they never change, but generally they're just quite rigid. Whereas women are a bit more, um, you know, a bit more flexible. So maybe they, they, they just can do both quite easily and think no bones about it. I, I don't know. Do you think that um, some of the distant right uh, play up um, the conniving, um, deceitful um, aspects of women? Uh, yes. Basically, okay. be, be, basically because um, they have, don't have a wife or girlfriend. Um, <laughs> and related then to that, and related to R versus K, if you were going to give any advice to um, a young man to attract a woman, what would you suggest? Okay, so um, a young man to attract, I'm, I'm assuming a, a, a woman who is um, more conservative and more more on the right of things, or just a man. Well, you could do both. I mean, I mean, you could do both. I mean, well, probably that, yes. But um, <laughs> but um, what, what it was just it might be interesting to see what the how you think the sort of psychology of like more conservative women kind of compares with more sort of liberal ones because that would. Uh, because well, be as, 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 as a side with that, just as, just as a side with that, um, a lot of like, oh, the um, oh, the best example here is um, Simon, but Simon de Beauvoir, uh, who yeah. the, fe- the feminist and then writes stuff to um, Jean-Paul Sartre that basically oh, um, she's willing to be his basic uh, basic sex slave because she <laughs> loves him so much. It's 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 really odd. Uh, although maybe isn't odd, but anyway, um, how, 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 how do distant right men attract women amongst others? Well, my, my, sorry, I'll ask the question, but my view on, 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 on that, um, and some other feminists like her, um, I think Jermaine Gree is a bit like that too, um, is that the, 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 the patriarchy in their eyes is what they want men to be. So when they, when they, uh, got sold this, um, this, you know, cultural Marxist theory, they were just like, oh, that's what we want men to be. So we're just going to shout and complain and pretend that they're all like that until they get so annoyed and become like that. That's what I'm thinking. Anyway, um, so, yeah. Um, so I think that um, the best advice in terms of finding a, a wife, a long-term partner, because the pickup artists are right about, you know, if you just want to get laid or whatever, which I don't support necessarily. Um, I, I try to support Kay case selection um but I, I would say that a man needs to um sort sort out what he wants in life what he decide who he's going to be and become a master in whatever in his particular world that he wants to to do that in and just really really focus solely focus on that and then every now and then pop his head up go to some kind of social event um you know something um, that is relevant for him and just be you know have some good social skills but just don't don't act like you're looking for a girlfriend um, or a wife just be <clears throat> just be um, you know just be you no I'm not saying just be you but I just what I'm saying is the desperation of I need a girlfriend I need a wife when it it comes off women can smell it quite quickly right and um, <laughs> Yeah, the baby agrees. And so, 
So um, I would say if if they can just make sure that they have sorted themselves out in their life and they know what they're doing and they know where they're headed. And when they're looking for a woman, they're looking for a woman who is going to just sign up to whatever it is that he is doing quite quickly. And not saying he doesn't need, she doesn't need to have anything that she wants to do, but he is he's the one in charge essentially he's the leader of it right he's saying look i'm doing this i want to live in this country i want to do that um are you interested in this do you want to do this with me and be my wife with me and then she says yes or no and i just think that um a lot of young men tend to look for women because they're looking for like immediate validation they're just maybe just looking for some sex um they haven't quite sort of worked it out what it is that they want her for yet um so I think often that's where relationships don't work because they might morph into what they know you know what they want from her eventually but sometimes it's sort of too late she may become um just kind of irritated at the lack of the, the lack of clarity and direction or she may provide that and then eventually when he when he works out what he wants he realizes he, he doesn't want that um you know uh, does that make sense to you yes it does um it, it leads into a question i had to put down uh, for later but we can go for it now is um related to that then is what kind of relationship do you think that um women typically want with their husband uh, so a lot in sort of like uh, the manosphere stuff um is you know you need to have the, the the seriously sort of dominant husband who basically just tells the wife what to do all the time um and but then this is what she really wants um i mean to what extent do you think um that's um that's kind of true i mean uh, does uh, would a wife typically want um age well, agency and if so agency over sort of um what areas and just as another r- random example um Alan Sugar bought Tottenham Hotspur back in the 1990s without saying anything to his wife. He just came home and said, I bought Spurs. Um, is, 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 is this something a, a wife would typically want to be consulted on, whether she should or not? How, how do you think that, in your experience, uh, typically uh, works? Do, do women really, do, do, they, do they want a dominant husband? Um and if so, how dominant and in what areas uh, or do they want less one? What would you, in your experience, would you, how do you think that kind of uh, works out? I think I think women vary on a scale with that one. And I know I know that in the dissident right, there is this whole thing that they want, you know, the, the, the woman, the man wants to a woman who just stays quiet and is meek. And, and I'm not, I don't mean the Christian meek. I mean, meek and when they use it, um, that's that sort all. Of, and, I, I mean, and I know that. That is, I can see how alluring that is. Um, having spent a lot of time reading this stuff and being married myself, um, however, I think that it's not fair to. It's not a real, realistic expectation for the man because you know he is a human after all. He is. He has has moments where he's just not going to feel like he wants to be particularly dominant that day or whatever. Um, you know, I, I think we need to have compassion. And my, as a as a men's rights activist, I I think the the lack of empathy for men as humans is what one of the things that attracted me to doing um, MRA stuff in the first place was because I recognised that and I thought that that was um, you know heading in the wrong direction. Um, so you know, I, I'm I'm probably more just I think 
I think it's I think it's really unrealistic for anyone to expect men to be like that with their wives all the time. Um, but I, I, I recognise that some men are going to be able to do it, you know, more effectively than than others. And maybe buying a, a football club when you're a, someone with that amount of money, then <clears throat> you're probably pretty good at being dominant because you're probably in the top one percent or something of, of earners or business owners. Um, so. What I what I think that most women, if I'm going to speak, in fact, if I was going to try and speak for all women, right, 99.9% of them, um, I, I think that they want their husband to, or man, they want him to um, help contain her in in moments where she's becoming too neurotic. So we've, already, we've already agreed that women are more neurotic than men, and I think no matter where you are on the political spectrum, I think all women appreciate when a man is able to just contain the moments where she is just getting a bit too emotional about something or letting something get to her too much. Um, I, I just think that all women want that. And I, some of them want it done in a more dominant manner. Some of them just want it done in a way where they just... They just have a chat with their wife and say, look, you know, you, you just need to chill out about this and, and maybe go for a walk. And I don't know what the solution could be. One of the ways I thought about it, um, which seemed to sort of um, make sense, I think, well, I'd like your thoughts on this. Um, I would tend to say from my very manly or otherwise perspective um, that um I think get the impression that uh, women would tend to like an overall direction of, of what they're doing, but at the same time, so for like the family, you know, what, what is the family going to do? Uh, what kind of family are we going to be like? Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? In a very sort of like a general sense. Uh, but that um, the wife has a more um, internal um, focus, that of sort of running the household or things to do with that. Whereas uh, the man has much more of an external focus, either at work uh, and, um, well, yeah, pr predominantly at work. And so that uh, women would like to have sort of agency within sort of like the household to run the household as she deems fit to a large degree. But when it comes to sort of more overarching decisions uh, that um, the husband plays some sort of uh, role there, and obviously the husband has um, control in his sort of work which is not necessarily always outside the home, but is focused outside the home, in, in, at least in, even if it's done in the home, because it's bringing money in from outside to there to then provide for the family. Um, what would you make of that um, that kind of distinction? And do you think that's probably broadly true, or do you think that um, it's uh, uh, there's much more variety than I'm giving it credit for? Uh, I think that's broadly true, um, because... Um, just my well, I, I think I think most research shows that, um, from what I've seen. But also, just talking to women who are working, for example, um, women who are in uh, maybe a higher paid job or a lower paid job, who I've met in my life, and all of them just want to be relieved of the burden of having to go to work full time and be a fifty percent all around that provider. None of them like it. They, I think they would much or much be be more comfortable um, having domain over the household and not and not having to make the decisions about larger things 
uh, at least not be the leader on it anyway. Not they, they don't want to um, have any input. Um, I think whenever, whenever, um, for example, in my life, if whenever my husband has thought a lot about something and then come to me and said, right, I, I've noticed this and I think maybe we should do that. And I'm, I'm often, because I'm, I'm quite disagreeable for a woman, I'm, I, I'm often like, well, have you looked at this? And you have, you looked at that, blah, 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 blah. So when he comes to me and says, well, I've looked at this and I've looked at this and I've looked at this and I've decided this. And, and I just go, oh, OK, then great would you like a cup of tea and <laughs> it just shuts me up so yeah oh it's interesting you say that um it goes back to the previous psychology because a lot of uh, um people will say that men are more rational than women and i seem to be making a post saying that that wasn't true um <laughs> um why don't you think that's true uh or in what way because i would generally think that although not always the case it seems to be that, well it depends who they are but uh, is it fair to say that men look at more factors than women, or do you think that's generally untrue? I think that um, that men tend to look t- tend to do a cost-benefit analysis because they're forced to, right? Uh, because of their position, like you know. Um, I think that when they are, from my experience, when they are in a in a in a arena where they don't have to consider that, they can be just as irrational as women in the sense that women tend to you know be outward with their emotions um and I think men are probably better at at being more stoic and having a good you know poker face about things right but from from what I can see they do tend to sometimes make decisions based on emotions um quite frequently but it just doesn't appear that way so you know, you, you say to a man, why have you bought that Harley Davidson? And then really it's because they had, they watched a film about it and they really liked the, you know, someone who had a Harley Davidson in it and it made them feel a certain way. Now, I, I don't know if that was a particularly rational decision because they may have put themselves into debt to do that, you know, as an example. Um, so, you know, but then I, but then I actually think that um, in terms of relationships and romance men are the romantic ones compared to women I know that women are sold romance but women tend to be more pragmatic and practical in their decisions when it comes to men um, whereas I find that when a man has, has picked a woman that he likes it's just that's it he's made his decision whereas sometimes with women um, I notice that they they'll be saying oh well this man's got this particular income and this man's got that and he's got you know they think about these things a lot more than men do men tend to be led with their heart when they make these romantic decisions and I you know you can say that's more that's less rational than women than women so maybe maybe I would just go down the line and say that women are more um rational about that area than men are but in other areas men are more like when they're making purchase decisions for example do, do you think that's um well firstly um that's interesting you say that because I, I don't know if this is true but it seems to be that there seems to be or maybe it's just because it's easier to get husbands than to get a wife but there's examples of serially terrible choices by women of men 
I mean, this is a great headline from the Daily Mail from a few months ago. Uh, domestic domestic violence survivor who fled two abusive partners only to marry a man who murdered his wife defends her choice because he had 20 years in prison to think how to treat women better. Um, doesn't seem to be the most rational of um, decision makers. Um, is this, do you think, just like... and? and I don't know. I just seem to get the impression that there's lots of women who just hook up with some really terrible blokes. Um, do you think that's just enabled because of welfare, like the welfare state and stuff? Or or do you think that uh, it's just because it's basically easier for, for women to find a man than the other way around that this ends up showing more obviously in in uh, the real world because of uh, the increased frequency? Hmm. I, my first thought was welfare, that because they are able to be supported if they make such mistakes now, that's why it's more frequent. Um, and I, I don't know, I just, I, I think we need to look at some numbers about it. Um, and I'm not sure what those numbers are right now, off the top of my head, from what I've seen in the past. I don't know about you. Um, but I just mean that, like, when... When a woman seems to be making a decision um, about a man for marriage, and she's more hypergamous, and uh, she she kind of has that that um, thinks a lot about how it's going to be financially and how stable they are and and whatever. And and I just think that men don't don't think about that very much, which is kind of obvious. <laughs> No, I think they do, because I suppose you can make the general argument that women have more to lose in marriage than men do. And so therefore, women are going to be more uh, concerned with sort of um, what the man can provide materially. And that's much more sort of um, sort of a more of an investment decision than, ah, she pretty. OK, yeah, um, that, that that's kind of fine. So that leads on to another question, which is interesting. Um, do you think that um I think because you've you've mentioned these kind of things before, especially with men to some extent. Um but um do you, you mentioned hypergamy. Do, do you think that women are particularly hypergamous? And do you think women would prefer sort of like serial sort of hypergamous monogamy as opposed to sort of um like lifelong uh, monogamy? Or or do, or do you think I mean I think some, some feminists have argued that, you know, um uh, the ideal situation would be to have uh polygyny and have um multiple husbands um i mean i, I wonder what you, you you thought of that topic That's, it is interesting that maybe maybe they should be more you know multiple husband with one woman situations considering the fact that not there's not as many men get to reproduce as women do but you know um i, I don't know who's written about that <laughs> what but i just I don't think it would work really um but it does seem to work when there's one man and multiple women, um, but then he's holding all the women, so that doesn't work either. Anyway, um, I do. You, do do, I do you think women like polygamy? Yeah. that, do you, would you think women would like polygamy? Do you think women would like to have to mar to marry like the alpha male with like ten wives uh, because he's rich? Uh, do you think they prefer that from having some kind of beta guy who that he's their own, but he doesn't earn very much? It does seem to be, so, you know, like in the black community in America, for example, it does seem to be a, um, a polygamous world um, for them um, in, in everything but name because of their um, large baby mama 
single mom population and where it's generally about 20% of the of the male population that are the fathers. Um, so, you know, in that community, they they do seem to prefer it when they're not trying to have a kind of Christian monogamous uh, world for them, for themselves, set up. So, um, well, I, I, I don't know, I don't know if other women in other in other countries, in other cultures, would would prefer that. I mean, I think in European culture, I I, just, I don't think so. I can't imagine any of my kind of peers saying, "Oh yeah, I wouldn't mind that." So maybe it's just part of part of the the diversity of, of humanity that 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 is the case. But yeah, without going into anything about race here, so, you know. <laughs> I'll leave it there. No, as so, um, so how so just on a hypergamy point, how hypergamous do you think women really are? I mean, again, sort of distant right types, you'll get ah, uh, that she'll dump you as soon as some guy with the, with an extra zero in his paycheck appears and has a bigger car. Um, how um, how common do you well, how common do you think the hypergamous woman is? Uh, or, or do you think once they've got once she's got sort of like a relatively decent bloke? that um she'll um have um she'll kind of settle down or or is or is that sort of like um a very much sort of a conservative view that the well, one was just going to sit 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 back and be, and you know be a good good wife but actually she's going to be sort of like trying to play the field and climb higher i think the play the field and climb higher thing is rare i don't think that happens as often as made out personally um i really I, you know, if I was going to estimate what percentage I think it would be, I think it would be less than ten percent. I don't think it's that high, just personally. Um, but um, I mean, so recent recent kind of data from on internet dating and stuff has shown that um, women are quite hypergamous compared to maybe what people thought in the, in the past. Um, but I don't know if if that's fair because. The, the internet dating is presenting them with a situation that's never happened before. So, you know, I, I, yeah, I suppose that I know I, I agree that they are, but I'm just saying that, you know, in the past they just had proximity and people in their tribe to deal with in the fact that their parents were maybe helping to arrange a marriage for them. You know, all these other factors that came in the way, um, well, they didn't get to look at 100 men on the internet and say yes or no about them, you know. Um, and I, I do think that if men have the chance to just have their pick, or at least if they were encouraged to do that um, in society, then they would probably do it too, but probably not to the, to the percentage that women do. Though. I, I don't know exactly. I, I think a few years ago, I would have said yes, they're really hypergamous. And, and would have been a little bit more hardline about it um but now i a little bit i've softened my view a little bit just because um out in the real world i noticed that when um a w- woman feels a particular attachment or is comfortable with a man then she will put up with him not being you know the the richest or or the most high value um and I know that people in the distant right circles will say, well, that's just you being, you know, having a rose tinted glasses about it and, 
you know, the real world's not like that. But that isn't kind of what I see in the book. Would you say this is the? So I wonder if you make it this. It would seem to me that the, the the appropriate position would probably be something like this: that women are more concerned about social status and uh, finances of as hus- for a husband than than a husband is for a wife. Um, yeah. But once she's found uh, a husband, unless he becomes seriously deficient, um, that she will generally put up with quite a lot. And by seriously deficient, I mean um, he maybe he loses his job, but then just doesn't bother to find it. And then generally just be just ends up being a bit of a, a mouse of a guy and ends up being just really soft and sort of like unmasculine. Uh, at which point then, yeah, jump ship. Uh, but it would seem to me that you have to get below a particular sort of performance level uh, before things go wrong, rather than, oh, you're keeping the same performance level, but someone else is performing better. I'm going to jump ship. It's more of a case of your existing husband has to do significantly worse uh, in many cases. Uh, would you think that would be a, a fair assessment? Yeah, I think that is a fair assessment. I think that is a fair assessment. I also think that um, we are a bit tainted with the last 20 to 30 years. Because, um, you know, um, after the Second World War, and then we had this kind of uh, prosperity after the Second World War in America, and not so much in, in the UK, but generally in the West, I, well, not, clearly not Germany. But what I'm trying to say is that there was some prosperity around after the Second World War, it built up towards the 80s, right? Um, towards the 70s and 80s. And I really don't think that that situation has happened before. Um, I don't think, well, not for a very long time, right? Um, where the amount of wealth that individual households had, um, they could, they, everyone now lives like they are, you know, um, a landowner in like 300 years ago, or whatever, whatever it is. So um, I, I think that people in, women in generation from the baby boomers and the Gen X, which is just slightly older than me as a millennial. And I'm, to anyone that hates these terms, I, I, I don't, I'm not, um, I'm not saying that these terms are exactly correct, but they are useful when we're talking about what's happened with each generation. So cause sometimes I get, when I've spoken to people about these terms before they've got, got their, their knickers in a twist, cause they're just like, Oh, I'm not, don't talk to me about being a boomer or whatever. Anyway. So, um, yeah, I would say that, that that we are having the chickens, you know, coming home to roost now with the baby boomers and the Gen X women who made certain um, very short-sighted decisions. Because we now have the data that says that women who've got divorced, um, they tend to be less, they might get a good payout after they get divorced, but they tend to be, um, you know, the man tends to be better off in the long term compared to the woman. She tends to be, you know, a bit poorer and a bit more depressed years down the line compared to him. I mean, we're not talking about the men that go, you know, all the homeless men and the men that, um, you know, get on the streets and then they can't see their kids at family court. But there does seem to be some failure that says that. Um, so what I'm trying to say is I think that there was some very um, short-sighted and irrational decisions made in the last, like, 30 years. And I don't think that that is, a, that is a sign of a trend that's going to keep going. I think it's going to all kind of collapse and then it will even out again. Um, but we'll see what happens with that, because clearly before I said that we might we might get a kind of handmaiden's tale situation. <laughs> 
waiting. Um, but I just mean that, that it's, it's not sustainable. Yeah. Um, that's yes, I think that's probably true, which then leads me to my, my next question, which is um, given that women have made some particularly bad decisions in the recent past, um, how what do you think the best sort of method for women finding a husband is uh, today? Uh, recently, we discussed uh, with Rick Story on arranged marriage and whether that was uh, defensible. So uh, just let me outline a, a few possibilities of how uh, we could you could go about it and then tell me which one you think is would you think probably the most practical and work the best or if any other one you think could be a, a good idea so um you could basically have like a, what i prefer to is like um a rain like sort of like strong arranged marriage whereby um you have um well in a strong form you could basically say you're told by your father you're marrying this guy uh, you could have a more moderate version whereby the family come up with a list of of of, of approved male candidates and um you can choose one off the list um but you can veto them um you could have another one which is probably more of a, a western uh position traditionally which would be um uh, the daughter can try to marry whoever she wants but the there's no pre-approved list, but the parents basically just um, uh, veto it if it if they think it's a bad choice. Yeah. Um, you could have one where the parents kind of help the, the, the daughter to find a husband, but leave it up to the daughter to decide yay or nay. Or what seems to have been effectively the default position um, for the last 30 years is just let her do what she wants with no real input. Um, I mean, there, there are probably gradations in between there. But um, given those options, what would you think would be, uh, practically speaking, the sort of best option um, in, in today's world to help women find better men? Yeah, so I, I pretty much agree that we should have um, a, a semi-arranged marriage system, um, especially for younger women, um, for, for, for women. I mean, I'm not saying that clearly that it would include men because you'd be getting married to a man. But what I mean is, the, the, there was a bit more of an urgency and rush for women to get married compared to men. So I think the, um, the parents probably would be more lax um, and, and wait a little bit longer before they, they look for a wife for their, for their son. Um, so, I, you know, I think in the past that was probably about how it was. But then again, I think it really depended where you were because I've seen, I've seen accounts of, of both where they they're trying to find a husband who's the same age. Um, but I think it tends to work when the husband's a little bit older. Um, I don't know how exactly, how many years, but definitely a little bit older because, like I said before, I think that the young women tend to mature faster than young men do. Um, yeah, so I, I'm pretty much in support of a kind of moderate arranged marriage. And I, I haven't really considered all the particular options. And it's, so it was useful for you to... Um, just have that list. I think that um, what I would probably like to do is I would probably like to try and introduce my daughter to some pre-approved candidates. And then I would probably, just because of the type of person I am, so if you can find someone better by this particular date, um, then, you know, go ahead. You can get married to them. But if you don't, then this is who you're getting married to. So, so, so sort of not... So sort of not a, not necessarily like a, a list as such, but you just sort of get some uh, guys to to um, to enter the arena, as it yeah. were, 
and uh, do that. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, I think the biggest I, I think one of the biggest reasons for poor marriage choice, actually, is uh, probably not that. Um, I don't necessarily think it's the boomer generation or their parents necessarily their fault. Um, I think because you have hyper mobility now, it, you move mobile. And so the problem is, well, you move to a different place and none of your parents or your family know anybody who lives there. Yeah. And you end up just marrying them. And it's like, well, uh, I, I they couldn't even put any input into it. So I, I think you, pre-approved and sort of arranged marriage, I think, to some extent work. But as, as Tim mentioned in the episode with um, with Rick, um, Iran and um, Saudi Arabia are basically modernizing uh, in respect of their marriage practices. Now, I don't know exactly why that's the case, but I certainly think that um, geographical mobility um, creates a, a bit of a problem here. Um, so um, how so obviously if I, supp I suppose one thing you could say there is, well, what you should do is sort of encourage your children to stay relatively local. Um, which I, I think there's actually good arguments uh, to, to, to do so. Mm. Um, uh, not just for that reason. I mean, just in, in general, I mean, I live near my, well, very near my in-laws and the fact that them being around is really kind of helpful. Um, yeah. It'd be even ideal if my parents were here as well. I yeah, mean, just no, I, I, raising I children and stuff agree. is... And in fact, one of, one of the things that has come out of the COVID situation is that me and my husband have both said how semi-relieved we feel that we don't can't go to another country. <laughs> I know that sounds ridiculous, but um, just this idea of jet-setting here and travelling there and then, you know, if you're a young person who's single, then you might meet someone and get married to them. Um, I, I don't... I think that we're, we're beginning to see that actually it, the, the, the benefits of that are not, they're not particularly that great compared to just picking someone in your local area. Um, so I'm very much about localism and um, trying to get people to, you know, create, keep their money in their local area and their local ecosystem for sure. And I'll, I'll probably dedicate my life trying to encourage that kind of thing, you know. Um, I mean, I, you know, I have moved from a city to the countryside and I am a, a city person. I was never lived in the countryside before. And I very much um, want one of, at least one of my children to um, maybe become a farmer <laughs> um, or, or something like that, where they are become part of the local infrastructure, as it were. And they're not just someone that moved to, countryside when they were younger and then they get some kind of corporate job in the in the, the nearest town or the nearest city you know um that's just an example from my life but I just think that I think people are realizing or at least I am realizing that you know it's not always grass is green is not always greener and in in the grand scheme of things the person that you probably rejected overall when you look at your life with them say um at the end of your life compared to someone that seemed a bit more exciting and edgy from another country um the, the other person was probably fine in the long term so no i think that's probably true i mean the interesting thing is um 
about trying to stay stay um, local. I mean, one of the questions which is difficult with, with, with arranged marriages or sorts of arrangements of some description is um, even if you stay in the same area, I mean, the thickness, as it were, of local communities is a lot thinner uh, than it was historically. And so I kind of thinking, well, where are you actually going to meet people? The reason I say this is historically, you would have met loads of people in the local area just because just by going around your daily business, you would have just have met them. Yeah. You would have gone to the local shop, you would have done X, Y, and you would have known people without even thinking about it. And you would have this relatively thick social network. Now, think about myself. I mean, well, for one thing, I work from home, so I, I, I don't see anybody apart from online. Uh, well, I, I just see other people sometimes. Um, but I mean, you buy things online. Um, you maybe go to the supermarket once a week. Um, where do you actually meet people? I mean, you can meet people at churches. Um, you can meet people at like um, children's groups, home education groups or things like that. Um, now, obviously, you can meet people in the pub, but I mean, that maybe is the place people historically, have, well, in the last 30s, have found wives and husbands. It probably hasn't gone very well. Um, how do you think you can over you can navigate that uh, today? I mean, obviously, you can make a, a conscious choice to try and shop more locally, go to independent stores and stuff. Um, that seems to be I mean, it's possible, but possibly quite difficult, um, especially whether they can survive economically. Um where do you think um, the sort of shared sort of uh, activities can can kind of appear uh, in in today's society and how can they sort of be consciously produced whilst being sort of more sort of economically viable? Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, there are there are still kind of social clubs around. Um, I mean, all the villages near me seem to have one. Um I think people need to get out and try and use those again. But I know that it's difficult because you have to contend with when they're being owned and leased by the local council or whatever. But, I, you know, it, I think that if we could try and try and uh, recapture those those assets, <laughs> then, um, you know, that, that that's what we should do and try and try and create these kind of, you know, you used to have a working man's club and, you could have that concept for the whole whole society again, which they still exist, but I just don't think that people see them as they see them as kind of archaic, I think. And I, I think that's a shame because you could organize all kinds of events in these places that um, that are a bit more interesting and, and more interest based than rather than entertainment based. And um, so I think as long as it's interest based, then you will meet someone who is has a similar interest to you. And it could be absolutely anything. Right. Um, you know, now I couldn't have what I could list, but something with some light, light that's lightly competitive and interest-based would probably be what it should be. Because I think what has happened in the last, you know, since since the 60s, basically, where people began to go out more and the music scene became more of a thing. Um, I think maybe before, prior to the 60s, it was you would go out with your husband, or your, you wouldn't necessarily go out single, or you might do, but I just mean that they had like um dance halls and uh, it was all about being with your partner whereas I think after that you went out being young free and single and you wanted to be entertained and you wanted to get drunk and I think that uh, as long as the event is not about getting drunk and not necessarily just about being entertained but about being more stimulated intellectually 
where you can have a shared experience with that person. And I'm not, I know I'm not being helpful by not suggesting what this could be. <laughs> I just don't want people just to think that it would just be, oh, you know, go and play, um, go and play, uh, you know, go to a debate club um, or I don't know, a chess club or, or something else more interesting than that. You know, I, I think you understand what I'm saying, but um, that doesn't seem to be as popular anymore which is a real shame because all of these community buildings are now owned probably by a bunch of um, old Karens who will probably have really, really uh, annoying to book from or the local council. <laughs> so, um, I, 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 sorry, I, just, I, I do think that's probably a, a way of going. And I do think probably is a, um, a beneficiary, um, will benefit from more people working from home, actually, in certain respects. Despite not being able to meet anybody, fewer people in the workspace, the problem with meeting people in the workspace is if you commuted, that they don't live anywhere near you and nobody else knows them. And I don't know how people got on well, how well people got on with their workmates. Ever uh, really on that well with them. Um, yeah. So. I mean, your minds may vary with that. So I, I do think that's 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 the issue. Although, of course, I mean, you do have the problem. You have now a lot of entertainment stuff that you can do inside that you didn't do historically. Um, I'm not really as putting I'm not trying to put roadblocks up, but it's it, it, um, I do like the idea of more sort of parental inputs and things with uh, marriages of daughters and, and sons as well, but particularly daughters. Um, but it, it it just seems that there uh, the I think the biggest change from sort of like the post-industrial period relative to the sort of medieval period is you have to be a lot more um, self-conscious about what you're doing. Historically, things just kind of happened and you had constraints that basically made you make relatively decent decisions, uh, whereas now uh, you don't because the material standard of living is higher and you can basically make the world as you want it to be in a more of a way and so actually you need to be much more conscious and self-reflective about what you're doing and, and that's what i think went wrong with the sort of post-war period if i'm being generous mm. um so i don't know what you make of that but i, I think that's well, my I, I, agree. I agree with that cool um, i mean i i um it's quite funny i've got in my in my home school home education um community so I'm I'm now uh, becoming a um, a, lead, a director for a, a classical like kind of co-op thing, and um, you know let's just say assume that this goes well and we have um, about eight eight to ten students and they're with me from I don't know four or five until until they're sixteen. Um, let's just say that that happens. You know, there's no there's there's no reason not to think that some of these boys and girls in that group may grow fond of each other, and it would be a little bit like your kind of high school sweetheart type scenario could happen. Um, but I've got a few kind of home ed mums who I've made friends with, and we've joked that you know one of the main reasons we're staying in touch is not just because we like each other and our kids are friends, is because um, we want some decent people to to for our kids to marry in the future so I'm not alone in thinking about this there are a few people I've met who are thinking about 
about this and creating this kind of you know these little kind of cells of you know networks of, of home home educators who are who want their kids to get married to another kid who is home educated <laughs> um and that makes a lot of sense um we haven't found any particularly good candidates for that yet but um um hopefully uh, that would work i mean just as, as a last uh, point for wrapping up um we're talking about going back to a previous point oh, uh, about agency of women within the household i mean pump you cut out there could you repeat oh sorry yeah um so going back to uh, just something we mentioned earlier uh with uh, agency of uh women inside the home um one of the criticisms which i think you've agreed before uh, and you've mentioned with the uh stream we did a couple of days ago uh that um the idea of so like the 50s housewife was is kind of a historical anomaly and although you didn't say this and i think you may have said it elsewhere that actually kind of being like just as it were the housewife in the 50s style was probably actually quite boring uh yeah. because um the the post um war household was stripped of all its productive activities that had historically taken place in the household and yeah. so the household was a lot more variegated place and had more interaction with other different types of people and um was a much more interesting place to be so on that basis then um unless you were to so let's in the modern day do you think it's possible do you think it's plausible or probable on a wide basis that a woman would be happy as being a housewife if she didn't home educate the reason i say that is because otherwise what are you going to do for a lot of the time now i suppose you could go into the community and do things but then that that depends on how many community activities you can be involved with on, on a regular basis so uh, what i'm saying is um is it is the way to sort of promote um what women want uh, in general is that well if they want to be at home, what they really need is to be home educating. Yeah, yes. You know, it's funny that you say that because um, I have had this thought already. I think that um, women would will thrive. A lot of women will thrive um, if they if they they're probably thinking, oh, what am I going to be doing? Or oh, you know, it'll be boring, or I won't be stimulated, or whatever. If they, especially if they have a very high standard of living. I suppose if you're in a in a area where you're doing up your house and from scratch or something, you're going to be busy. But you know, most of us already have pretty standard, high standard of living, right? So yes, I, I would agree with that. I think that to that it would be an excellent way to encourage, um, or at least as a, a something to propose to women when they when they uh, tell you some of the their fears they have about being staying at home. Um, and I also just think, well, I mean, I, I, I think that people will, a lot of people are moving to the country to try and do homesteading and to try and be more self-sufficient again. Um, you know, so I think that sort of comes along with it a lot of the time. Um, or you, or then you also have people that are doing that and then they go, oh, well, actually doing homeschooling is probably, it probably makes more sense if we're doing that, that kind of lifestyle. Right. So um, encouraging those two things, I think it would definitely um, maybe work. 
Um, have you got any uh, final comments uh, at all on anything we've discussed so far or anything that uh, you think ought to be said that hasn't been said? Uh, let me think. Um, no, not, not, not. <laughs> That's you. absolutely fine. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I very much enjoyed this discussion. Uh, we have hit... Um, uh, everything I kind of wanted to do. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm very pleased. Just now, right. I'd thank everyone for listening. Uh, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends and family, and please subscribe to us on Podbean and YouTube. The more the higher we get in the search rankings, and the more people can access this material. And finally, if you have any questions or comments, and you'd like to contact the show for any reason, please contact us at mindcrowingliberty show at gmail.com. That's mindcrowingliberty show at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.